0: Let's welcome, correspondent Matthew Paris. Good morning, Matthew. Evening. Thank Good you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, shocking events, and everyone still really coming to grips uh, with some truly awful scenes uh, coming out of uh, Israel and Gaza.
1: What's yeah, been the UK really-
0: response to, as we said, a complete surprise? This seemed to be this Hamas attack, uh, and now its yeah. consequences.
1: Yeah, it looks like a bit of a security blunder on the part of the the Israeli uh, spy services. But the, I'm pleased to say that support uh, for the Israelis and horror at what Hamas is, is doing is absolutely solid in Britain. There have been a few madcap, um, pro-Palestinian extremists who've run up flags on town halls, uh, Palestinian flags, only to have them hauled down again. But if you look at the media, if you listen to the media, if you talk to people in the streets, everybody feels that what what Hamas has done has been horrible. But beneath that, in the media anyway, there is, uh, for instance, uh, William Hague, who was once Foreign Secretary, is an example, a a column in The Times, that there is an undercurrent of worry that this could be a trap that stops Israel from developing the pretty good relations that they have been developing with relatively friendly Arab states. And William Hague warned Israel not to fall into the trap, not, not to let Hamas succeed in separating Israel from the growing entente that there is. Uh, for instance, with the, the the Arab Emirates of one kind or another, I was uh, in Abu Dhabi only recently, and, and there was a huge Jewish wedding going on, and uh, probably quite an orthodox Jewish wedding by the, by the clothes, and they were having a great time. This is happening uh, rather beneath the radar, in, in, in the Arabian Peninsula. And it's very important that that the, these atrocities don't knock that off course.
0: Indeed. Um, and any sort of, um, well, of course, also Britons will be uh, affected here as a, a number of nations are in terms of trying to find their, their citizens, uh, particularly Absolutely. those missing.
1: Yeah. Well, four uh, Britons have been confirmed dead uh, in the uh, Israel attacks. And British officials have now said that 17 UK nationals, including children, are either dead or missing after the ambush launched from Gaza. So, yes, as always, there is a kind of parochial local concern, how many of our people, so to speak. But there is also, I think, a, a great em- empathy for the, the, the Jewish population in Britain who who, who must feel awful about this.
0: Now, the Labour Party conference is underway, and what's on the line here for uh, Keir Starmer? Just perhaps give us an idea of, I know you're not in an election year, but what the polls say about where Labour is sitting and what he needs to do as leader to G up his party.
1: Well, that conference has just been winding up as we speak, and it has gone, I would say, really well for the Labour Party. Keir Starmer needed to look and sound like a prime minister in waiting. Now, I'm not a Labour supporter and I don't suppose I shall vote Labour. So in in some senses, I'm a, I'm a good bellwether. I thought it was a very successful conference. And for the first time, you really felt you were looking at a political party which was readying itself for government. Uh, a real star was Rachel Reeves, their shadow chancellor, who gives an impression of um, quiet, sensible, good sense as far as spending is concerned? No, no kind of stupid promises that they won't be able to uh, sustain, uh, no, no increases in taxation or anything like that. And Wes Streeting, who's their health. Spokesman. He he's also very good on the the need for the NHS to look at new ways of delivering better services, which might include, for instance, employing the private sector to deliver health products and health services uh, to the public sector. So that there's just a sense of realism about the party. Uh, Starmer's speech itself was well. He's dull. He's stodgy. He'll never be. He'll never make a better speech um than than this and it wasn't brilliant but it it was good it was solid And a a protester rushed onto the stage. It's rather bad security management that he was ever able to, uh, by the name of Yaz Ashmawi, who's 28 and a physicist, but a great extinction rebellion person, and showered Keir Starmer with glitter, which stuck to his hair and his clothes, and of course enabled the British media to say this is the first sparkling speech that the Labour leader has ever given. So it did him no harm at all.
0: All right. Now, other things underway at the moment. What's happened at Luton Airport? A fire?
1: Good Lord, it's extraordinary. Yes, I was at Luton Airport only about four days ago, and there's a a very large multi-storey car park there, and it seems that a car caught fire, and the all the cars in the airport appear to have been burnt out. I think about 1,200 cars have been completely destroyed. And of course, everybody immediately said, oh, it'll be one of these electric vehicles. It wasn't. Apparently, it was a diesel vehicle, which spontaneously caught fire. It spread. At least one of the tiers, the stories of the multi-story car park has collapsed, and there have been no planes from Luton all day, and that is hundreds and hundreds of flights. And there's no hotel accommodation now in Luton, but people have been staying in the reception areas of hotels because their flights have been cancelled. So it's it's rather extraordinary that this kind of thing can happen.
0: It's a very old saying that many of us heard as children: "Sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite." But lordy, they've been biting in France, and is UK now on? Bed bug watch.
1: Oh, I love this. I love this story. You know, the British love anything that suggests that bad things, diseases, whatever, come from the continent, and particularly from France. There are various kinds of sexually transmitted diseases that used to be called the French pox. Well, it's not the French pox, but it's French bugs. Paris has had an infestation of bedbugs, and the British are excitedly guarding against an invasion of bedbugs from France. So the Eurostar trains, for instance, have all been put aside and completely, whatever the word is, fumigated. And the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, says it's a real source of concern and that we're going to be disinfecting the seats on the London Underground daily. Some of your listeners may may know that London underground seats, unlike most underground train seats across Europe, which are plastic, the London ones are proper fabric seats, nice soft seats. But, of course, that's where bedbugs love living. So we're we're all thoroughly enjoying being alarmed about yet another verminous threat from France.
0: Now, World War II, uh, an experimental catapult has been unearthed by archaeologists. Is it quite large?
1: Yes, in a way, but it's also quite short. I had this, I I invented this when I was about nine. Um, I thought, why should planes trundle along the runway, gradually gaining enough speed to take off? Why can't you just catapult them into the sky? And this appears to be a World War II attempt to do this. It's, it's very short. It looks rather more like a, one of those ski jump things than it, it looks like a runway. And there were an enormous underground rams with huge hydro- hydraulic pressure. And the, the plane was literally to be catapulted into the sky. These would have been bomber planes, but it doesn't look as if it's ever been used. They, they've they been unearthing it all while they were doing work on an, uh, a, a runway that had been built over. It doesn't look as though it had ever been used. And I was thinking, you wouldn't want to be the pilot Uh, sitting in the cockpit of a plane at kind of 45 degrees with, well, not exactly an elastic band, but the equivalent behind you, hoping that when you reach the top of the ramp, you would actually go up into the sky rather than down onto the ground. I'm sorry to hear that it was never tested
0: well. That was what the early um, pilots were facing, trying to get their early airplanes up in the air as well. And very quickly, climate change, we're having to deal in real time with the many changes it's making uh, to many things in life, but this one will stop some in their tracks. It could make beer taste worse. Is this to do with...
1: None more distressing. (laughs) (laughs) It appears there's a a huge decline, 20% in the quantity of European hops due to global warming, and as a result uh, the British are going to have to pay more for their beer. And apparently we drink 8.5 billion pints a year in, in, in the UK. Well, they're all going to be increased in price by, uh, I think, I think something like 13% already, and that's going to go up further because we're short of hops.
0: But the other, that the price is one thing. Is it also affecting the quality of, or is it just a question of where you get your hops from? It's their terroir, if there's such a thing.
1: I had a look at this thinking it was about quality, but no. The study, their big study, has looked at the average yield of what are called aroma hops between 71 and 94 in the last century, and between 95 and 2018, and found that in some areas there's been a drop of about 20%. It's a Czech study, so... Well, didn't know the Czechs knew all about hops, but they obviously do.
0: Thank you for that report at the British Beer and Pub Association as well. Matthew, thanks so much for your time. Matthew Paris is our U.K. correspondent today.